What are you doing? Don't touch me. Get away from my face. Uh, this is better. I've told you about my pepper spraying rule, right? Um, yeah, just pepper spray everyone <laughs> in the face immediately. <laughs> yeah, well, only if they put their body in like a 10 centimeter radius of my body. Like You're very generous with the 10 centimeters. Like I would be half a meter <laughs> to a meter. Yeah, but like sometimes people do it accidentally, but other times they are trying to touch you and then they should be punished. Yeah, no, I would like to have like a constant mist of pepper spray around me when I walk through public spaces. <laughs> so <hello>. hi everyone <laughs> hello and welcome to the, the conversation about the people who hate other people i like other people i just don't want them touching me like i mean that's that's not a i touched your headset yeah you didn't touch me that's true you know i bite I, i'm afraid i'm very much afraid <laughs> um, hello welcome to the plants and pipettes podcast this is in fact what you're listening to mm -hmm. we talk about plant molecular biology and other things happening in the world of plants And um, yeah, this is a special episode because no, you're Yoram. Yes, I'm Yoram. <laughs> I'm Tegan. Episode because um, we sit next to each other, like opposite of each other. We yeah. could high five if you wanted to. We can. Let's do it. Oh yeah, that oh. was like mediocre as at best. A, yeah, but nobody here to see us. They can just. If you wouldn't have said anything in their minds, it would have Let's been. Let's try again. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10 that came too too fast right like i did it too rapidly to be convincing that you actually no, were involved now you destroyed the illusion <laughs> for a minute it uh, wasn't working everything is a sound stage here guys like every all of these amazing sound effects you're hearing there's like a third person i don't know playing the wobble board or throwing <laughs> yogurt onto the ground and and we're just actors yes crisis actors yeah sorry we're in berlin together <laughs> that's what's happening um Last weekend was Yaron's birthday. Happy birthday, Yaron. Yeah, happy birthday, me. Um, so we all went to Warsaw as kind of a gang with Yaron's family and one of our old biology nerd friends. Shout out to our him. Yeah. Um, had uh, a really good time. Yeah, we had a really, really good time in Warsaw. It felt like being in the future. Like. <laughs> and like, I just want to mention that Yaron is somebody who, when I met him seven years ago, had basically not left the Berlin central zone. He was like one of these like Manhattan Islanders who's yeah. like, but why would I leave? I love Berlin. Like Berlin has everything. And I mean, since then... Berlin has everything apart from like some of the very cool features of Warsaw, which is like <laughs> fast and reliable internet. <laughs> you can pay with your tap card everywhere in the city mm -hmm. um, where in, in Germany you still... Usually it's cash and if you want to pay by card, they're like, oh, no, it's only EC card. Like Get away <laughs> with is, your credit card. What is card. a credit card? And they explain to you why actually it's not good to have a credit card because blah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. you'll ruin the and economy. Like, and <sighs> like, I don't need the lecture. I just need to buy my goods. Like yes. I have the money on the card. <laughs> Give me my fucking goods. And there was so much good food. We had it a lot great. of vegetarian and vegan food and I never ate so well like mm -hmm. through, like throughout so many days. Um, that was really amazing. Actually, one of the few things I ate that was not vegetarian was our friend had some super weird chocolate that he'd brought back from like a hipster uh, yeah. bar in Singapore that had shrimp in it. And like everything else was pretty yeah. much, we had like sushi that didn't have shrimp in it, that had vegetables in it. But then we had chocolate and apparently <laughs> chocolate <laughs> is where one finds one's shrimp in Warsaw. Can so. I touch your headset once okay. more? I'm sorry. If you insist. Oh, well, you just touched my face then. I'm, I'm not sorry. Really okay I with have that. very poor depth perception. It's okay. I'm sure I rubbed some of my face oils onto your finger in, in oh, retaliation. No. Or better shopping. <laughs> off right now yeah um so yeah it was really nice and the other very nice and it was thing, your first time in warsaw that's kind of an important thing too yeah my first a time shameful. in poland actually which is even more shameful because i live like two hours from the border pretty less much less even like i think from frankfurt oder with the train it took 45 minutes yeah to you Berlin. could walk 
yeah it's really close <laughs> and um so yeah very shameful but i changed my arrows like i'm and there's I'm some other great now. cities which are really accessible so poznan is nearby Wroclaw or breslau as you germans call it um is also a really really beautiful city so Many Poland adventures can be in your future yeah. if you so choose. Yeah, I, I'll definitely come back to Poland. I think um, I, it was a lot of fun. It was really good. And one really cool thing that we did was go to a science museum. We yeah. went to the... The Cop Copernicus Center. Yeah, the Copernicus Center um, that had like on two floors and a lot of grounds to cover. They had many different like exhibitions and like experiments that you can play with from physics to chemistry human to biology um very artistic things as well just yeah and even a, a newer thing that was all about like psychological concepts and so on like biases and perception mm -hmm. and political standing like your your morals and things like that that you could explore um and Yaron played a game where he had to so you have to see if you link the idea of femininity with the home and masculinity with working or having a job um and they do various different kind of games to see if you have this bias and Yoram did very well and he didn't have a strong bias towards um men working and women not so yeah. pats on the head for Yoram although it was a very conscious effort like and you primed me a little bit beforehand <laughs> if you wouldn't have done that like i might have uh, like, i'm just like that worst person to bring with you I'm like, i know what this game is i've played this game before i know how to play this game <laughs> yeah, you should never do like, experiments on <laughs> yeah like human behavior because you would spoil it it's why they don't let me in the lab anymore they're just like <laughs> get out <laughs> would spoil tell the plants what to do and you're mm. like i know what this experiment is for plants no, but the the science center was really cool. Um, we were there on a on a Sunday, right? And it was very full, very crowded. I think we we're also on like all a Sunday in the the holidays, the school holidays. Yeah. So it was like extremely. But I found it, despite being very packed, I could still for most stations very qu quickly like go and play with them. Like there was no. It was not that it was too crowded, so I would say, like, no matter how crowded it is, it's... it's I mean, and also the thing was, like, I wanted to wait, so even the ones... There was one which I didn't get on. There was one little kid who had, like, there was a hovering flying carpet kind of thing, and that kid <laughs> would not get off the carpet. And I was staring at him, like, using my angry eyes, and I've got quite, like, angry eyebrows on right now. And he was not... He was not taking the hint. He was like calmly explaining to me in Polish how awesome he was and how to do it. And I was just like, how much fun he had. I don't understand you. Get the hell off my carpet. But you can't really say that to like an eight-year-old. So no, that no. was like the one thing I didn't get to go on. But like almost everything I was happy to wait for. And then I was rewarded for waiting. Yeah. 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 And then I washed my hands like 800 times because I'm a hypochondriac and everything felt mildly sticky to me. But it was actually quite fine. <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. Um, I'm a crazy person and it's okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, cool. Um, so, shall we get on and do some science and not just talk about science museums, shall we? It's the paper of the week. Okay, so this week's paper is in the American Journal of Botany, and it's called When the Going Gets Tough, the Tough Turn Female, Injury and Self-Expression in a Sex-Changing Tree. It's by Jennifer Blake Mahmood and Lena Struer. And it came out at uh, the end of 2019? Uh, no, no. Uh, this uh, actually came out last Friday. Oh, okay. On my birthday. Oh, happy it's birthday. It's my birthday yeah. paper. Yes. I, but I, that's not the reason why I picked it. I picked it because I really liked the title. <laughs> um, I was today browsing through a lot of papers and a lot of titles. And many of them are like acronym for gene does is involved in pathway with another acronym. And um, so this one stood out to me because it was much more intriguing to read. Sex. 
about also the when the going gets tough the tough get turned female um mm-hmm. I found it a quite nice lead into the title of the paper. And so it stuck out and, and um, yeah, and so I picked it. And it's hard not to read the, some of the parts of the paper and think, okay, there's like a bit of a <laughs> feminism streak going on here, which is probably not the point. But um, for me, I was like, mm, mm, very, um, very interesting. Yeah, the whole thing, the whole paper is a lot about uh, changing sex. Mm-hmm. And uh, we mean this in the term of like, biology bio, biological presence of sexual organs and mm-hmm. and in plants that's um like the male sex produces pollen while the female sex produces flowers with um the ovules so mm-hmm. the, the egg cells that can then get pollinated um but this sex change happens and that very often in biology but it happens in many different species across very different I don't know if it's like kingdom or clades. I, I looked it up. So um, it's most common found, uh, found in fish and gastropods and some plants. Gastropod is snail, right? Yes. Uh, and I think also a lot of them are like aquatic snails where this applies. Um, uh, but there's one thing that I found uh, when reading about this that I quite liked. I want to use as the introduction here, which is clownfish. They mm-hmm. are very famously changing their sexuality because they live in a very structured society. They live in this like... They sort of, if you line them up by size, you have like the biggest one of them is the female that is procreating, and the second largest one is male and procreating. So these two, they have sex, they and get they, it on, they mm-hmm. get it on, and then all the other smaller ones, they're all male, but they are all not procreating, so they're not fully mature males. Mm-hmm. Um, and when then the, the largest one are the they not fe- sexually mature? They they like don't have the sexual organs yeah, yet. They, they haven't have like the they sexual- haven't gone through puberty basically yeah. as a fish. Okay, they're sort of pre prepubescent, and only the the largest two they get it on. And when the female dies, then everybody shifts one step upwards, and the male one, the second largest, um, grows in size, changes his sex to female, and uh, then the ones below him become the second largest, and then actually go through maturity and become male, um, which puts it like i would want to watch now finding nemo with that information <laughs> i have heard this the idea that actually if the mum died then the dad should have found something i don't know somebody yeah. should have changed yeah he should have and... become a female he should have become the mother well depending no he would yes he should have become the mother that's because true. he's the yeah. father so and then was... some other small male should move in i was like yeah. i'm the new father and should it go to nemo it's just like i'm your father now. <laughs> i'm now your father um, so this is actually this idea of size-based sex change um, is one of the the theories of why this sex change can happen. So it's like in any given situation, there might be an advantage to being a different size, and often there's differences in the different sexes and having yep. with their size. So it's a kind of one of the theories of why sex change would happen, which is kind of a bit of an open question, like why not just stay one sex the whole time, or why not be like hermaphrodite or like be both sexes at the same time? Why? start at something and go somewhere else and some of them some species are basically changing their whole life like they kind of start like no sex and then they become male and then they become like a mix of both and then they become female and then there's like just like mm-hmm. kind of continuum yeah. and why why yeah um there's no good a good answer to this i think like one of them is um like some fitness advantages that you have like being female is often uh more costly um in mm-hmm. plants you bear the fruit uh in in animals then they have to like um give birth or have produ- to have Mammals, to produce yeah. eggs mm-hmm. um 
I think there's no mammal that actually changes sex, um, but uh, still. Yeah, I saw amphibians. I didn't see any. It's true, no mammals, no no birds either, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I think no vertebrates even is something that I read. Um, no fish. True, they're vertebrates. See, I'm and amphibians. Person. I don't know. Um, maybe they do had some sna of the snails of the gastropods anyway this is something that i don't know um but they said that anyway being a female as comes often at a bigger cost because like creating the egg cell and then uh is often more costly yeah. than the sperm well yeah even if we're there's not any of this like gestation involved like we have in yeah. mammals there is a, more, a bigger cost just because it's like one cell becomes two cells instead of becoming like yeah and four so millions <laughs> And some species, they... Um, oh, we're bad at sex. <laughs> at the very details of them, like, uh, of sex. Um, some, what do they want to say now? Ah, yeah, that some species, like, the the, the sort of, the disadvantage is, uh, une is, is not always this, at the same sex mm -hmm. in different species. Yes. And so they, sometimes they change from female to male, some others change from male to female, and it's often that they begin with the more robust of the two, mm -hmm. and then they change into the more risky one. So they got sort of go, like, their whole growing up is... Uh, Live it easy, and then yeah. kind of, like, at the last minute, oh, okay, I guess. Yeah. It's like the idea of, like, trying all the drugs when you're 90, just, like, yeah. just before things get really shit, just, like... Be, like, a very strong conservative through your 20s, <laughs> yeah. and then go, like, really crazy radical... When you're like, yeah, your get really racist in your late 80s, just like go for broke. <laughs> that was sort of the, the I wanted to go to the opposite, the opposite way. way. Oh, Be like okay. a very re revolutionary and risking uh, your you job were conservative and everything. In your 20s. Sorry, yes, I was imagining, um, yeah, communist, not conservative. I somehow no. just heard the no. wrong no. word. <laughs> <laughs> I just always assume communist in your 20s that's that's the standard, yeah. And when it comes to sex change in plants, it's it's much more rare, right? It's it's um. Most not, I don't know if most plants are have both sexes, um, like like Arabidopsis, for example. But like both within one flower, uh, or like yeah, yeah. So you can have this kind of two options. You can have like one body which has both a pollen and an egg, but you can also have one branch which makes only male bits and one branch which has only female bits. Which means that you're both sexes in the same plant, but you're producing just male bits and just female bits in a different location on mm -hmm. that plant, right? Yeah, and they still have to come together, and sometimes they're even um, uh, incompatible with each other. Mm -hmm. So they, although they produce both sexes, they still have to. Ha they need another uh, plant with a different type to still uh, manage to get proper pollination going. So cannabis is a pretty good example of something which mm -hmm. is like a hermaphrodite, right? Like this has got female bits and male bits, right? Yeah, I think they can also, they're ones that can transition, actually. Okay. Like, I remember somebody that I knew that grew uh, cannabis at home. Mm -hmm. And uh, you want to have the female plants, apparently, because they make the stuff that you smoke. Mm -hmm. um, and so, under stress, they can transform into male. And he had, like, no! this bunch of female plants. And they they must not be pollinated to be worth uh, like uh, worthwhile to to be useful for to smoke them um and so he had like right in the center sort of like one plant that turned into male and he had to like very carefully get this out of there not to spread the pollen to not ruin his harvest and okay um so yeah but uh, most plants uh, or like many other plants they uh have like the, or not many i'm saying the wrong like counting words i mean there's some plants uh, where you have male plants and female plants ginkgo Ginkgo or apple is one that I know. Apple. Yeah, like no, if, if really? you have apple trees, you need like you buy like female and male apple trees, and you need 
Like, oh, I didn't know this at all. You have to have them in the vicinity. At least I think so because we bought an apple tree for the garden and I know that the discussion was like, do we have to get two so they can be pollinated? They were just trying to sell you two, two times as many apple trees, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yes, so you actually need four of them because one's a male, one's a female and these two are here to kind of just like watch and like comment <laughs> occasionally to make sure things go according no. to plan. <laughs> that one's a chaperone and that one's the priest and then like everything comes together. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, yeah. so sex change is a rare occurrence in the plant world so having these like generally things have both sex in one flower in one organ and then the idea of having an individual sex that changes to another individual sex is not a very common thing Mm -hmm. in the plant world as well yeah yeah and there's one plant um not the only one but one specific plant that stood out in recent years a famous plant it's the striped maple or uh, asa pensylvanicum Mm -hmm. Um, which is was shown in the past that it could transition from uh, female to ma- uh, from male to female, um, and and spoiler, dear listeners, it's also the focus of this study today. <laughs> yes, yes, um, because uh, when you see them in the wild, they usually grow in in populations where you have about three times as many males as females. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that's the thing in these ones like most of them are purely male or purely female mm-hmm. but you can get plants where like there's bits of them which are male and bits of them are fem- female but for some reason the plants tend to choose something and, and be that mostly yeah, yeah. Um, I think also f- what I understood from the paper where they talked a little bit about this is that the intermediate state is sort of a transitional state mm-hmm. um, when they uh, go from one to the, to the other and I think they can even go like by branch so they did some experiments in the past which is not part of this paper where they stressed out individual branches by cutting them off from the supply from the it's tree. quite stressful, yeah. And um, then that could trigger transition in, this, in the branches that they would then, on a f- all-male tree, the branch would go female. Um, and I think this is also how, or one of the reasons how these inter- intermediate states come to be. So the background was already they knew that when stress happens, there's a transition towards femaleness. That was yeah. kind of part of the knowledge so what happened exactly in this actually i have a nice quote here um in general poor plant health no in general poor plant health seems to correlate with maleness (laughs) yes it sounds about right which is actually kind of a weird way of putting it because this is one of these segments which it sounded very deliberately worded because actually when you have poor health you go towards female yeah yeah, um, so I actually don't know how, how this this quote is meant <laughs> exactly, but so uh, what I tried to figure out in the paper is um, I, what is the degree of stress that you have to put a tree under to trigger the tr- transition from male to female? Mm-hmm. And to this end, they uh, went through a couple of different experiments. So they went into the forest. So this was all done uh, like in the native env- environment. Mm-hmm. And they realized that uh, although these trees, they, they live in the same environment, um, some of them would transition, some would not. So that would mean that you have a localized impact. Like It's not just a general availability of sunlight or water or something like this, because in a in a patch of forest that should be very uniform but there's this whole discussion about micro environments so like although this they seem to have kind of large scale similarities this guy might be a little bit more rocky under his ground or he might have more bug infestation and this is making yeah or you would have like a tree fall over and and like squash another tree yeah squash it uh, break off a lot of its branches of its crown or have like a very specific herbivory where yeah some caterpillars would just eat 
um, the leaves on one tree or you would have some deer that would like graze on, on one tree and like one tree is very much affected while mm -hmm. another one nearby isn't at all. Um, and so they wanted to mimic these stresses basically in different ways and different kinds of different levels of stresses. So mm -hmm. they go into the forest and number one is severe stress. What's that? They do a pruning where they cut off all of the inflorescence and um, the the growy bits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so at, at the end of each uh, branch, was, uh, you have like the meristem. Like cutting the fingertips off the plants is kind of the... Yeah, that's the, the idea. Right? Um, and so they did that and cut like the entire, uh, pruned all of the crown. So there were no more um, growing bits. Number two. Um, there is, is the defoliation where they would cut... Full defoliation. Yeah, full defoliation where they would remove with scissors all leaves which mm -hmm. in itself i find quite a tedious task <laughs> and great uh, student <laughs> and um the third one is like a partial defoliation where mm -hmm. they just removed a part i think half of the leaves and the fourth one is um hydraulic stress where they would cut through some of the phloem half of the phloem exactly so there would be no more water transport from the roots up to the crown mm -hmm. um Uh, so not, so it would be reduced by half. So the trees can still survive this, but it would stress them. They're not happy. Yeah. But apparently that's less unhappy than if you take some of the leaves off. Which It's I like, found surprising. Yeah. Uh, I, I would have thought that this is, like we had some other studies before, right? Like the rewatering studies that we wrote about in the blog. Yeah, but this is not cutting through the xylem. So it's like yeah. they're cutting some of the phloem, so they're preventing some of the sugar from moving. But if you take all the leaves, you're basically removing all of the sugar from being created. Mm. So there's kind of like... Yeah, a little bit less sugar in the roots versus like you just don't have sugar now because you can't photosynthesize. So yeah, maybe that's kind of the the measurement. Okay, so they did these four different levels of stressing, and then they looked after a couple of years basically, or yeah. after some time, I different every, time for different every year, but for two or three years, two years I think, and saw what happened to these striped maples. Have they? hung around as their original gender? Have they become a mix, a transition of genders, or have they all become one gender? And what did they find, Joram? <laughs> and we're back from Tegan having broken the sound <laughs> system. Um, my drum roll was too enthusiastic, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened, but something happened. Anyway, so they found that um, under... Um, under the, the non-severe stress, like the basic, like this, the, the um, gentlest of stresses, um, there would not be no difference between the controls. So trees of same uh, size and age in a similar location, and they would not be transitioning from male to female or female to male. And when you say under the lowest stress, you mean? Under the hydraulic stress. The hydraulic stress. And the partial defoliation. And also in a full defoliation, which I found quite interesting. It was kind of amazing, yeah. After two years, I mean, obviously they grew their leaves back. So, like, you take all their leaves off and they didn't keep on defoliating them throughout. Yeah. But that big shock to their system of just, like, being denuded, be yeah. having all their leaves, that was fine. I mean, there were some trees that died definitely from this. <laughs> okay, um, they weren't, like, fully fine. Like, <laughs> But um, not, not much more than, like, the, the death rate was not increased mm -hmm. to the control. So they did some statistics on that. But when we come to the most severe stress... The pruning. The pruning. Um, there was a very strong effect. Firstly, most of them died. Not most of them, but yeah. like half of the trees died. Quite a lot of trees died. Quite a lot of trees died. Um, Some was casualties were... What, what is it what is that they say at the end of films like <laughs> there were some injuries and casualties in the making of this film in the making of this science <laughs> something like this um yeah but i think it's about half of the the trees they started with um 36 and 14 died 
Um, quite some trees. Quite some trees. Um, but from the female trees, um, like most of them died, one of the female trees survived. So mm-hmm. that um, they... Strong, independent woman. <laughs> yeah, one is a survivor. <laughs> oh my goodness, that was terrible. Well done, Yara. Um, then from the ones that are intermediate, so that present both sexes on the same tree. Um, they started off intermediate. They started off intermediate. Um, the, they became female. S- some of them became female and some of them died. <laughs> well done. <laughs> and from the male trees, um, all of them, um, so like a few of them died. And the ones that didn't die, they either became intermediate, so started uh, having partly female and partly male sex. And um, some of them became female. Mm-hmm. So, How many no- males did we start with? Uh, ten. So 10 males and then at the end, no fully males. Yeah. No fully well males. Done, so all of the, like, yeah, after the stress, no fully males remain in there. So this also gives like a hierarchy of like how stressed you are because like you start off, you're unstressed and you can stay male, but then you get a bit stressed and you're like, okay, it's time to transition. And then like fully, st- oh, like mostly stressed you're female and then fully stressed you're dead. That's kind of yeah. the, the end point is, okay, now you're dead. So if you're already female, you're probably already stressed or maybe you're already stressed and then a little bit of extra stress is going to tip you over the edge and yeah. your chance of dying is not low. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so um, with with that, the inter- they, they started like interpreting this uh, a little bit and um we said that like we have three to one ratio of male to female in mm. these populations so there is an excess of pollen usually um and so when um <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll let you make your own joke in your head for this um so a good strategy is when you're stressed or when there's like a crisis happening, like a deer is eating all of your leaves and like like pretty much pruning your branches by like eating all of the green and tasty mm-hmm. bits. Um, the best way to ensure that your genetic material is passed on is to become female because uh, that, that might cost you some energy and you might not survive it in the long term, but at least you have the chance to make fruit and then, um, yeah go to the next generation well if you stay male um the chances are lower because you have so many other males Everybody around else is you. male you're just like sending your pollen out with all the other pollen and there's yeah there's uh, nothing collecting it so from an individual's perspective it's better to um yeah become the recipient then of, of mm-hmm. the pollen because then you can be sure that you make fruit and like half of your the offspring's dna comes from you mm-hmm. um so but on the other hand, as we said, there's other species which go the other way in stress and there's there's different arguments for that. So like maybe if you're already stressed, you don't have much energy. So like it's easier to make lots of pollen and pollen you can send out into the wind and pollen mm-hmm. can travel further. So, you know, if you're a female, you're kind of like stuck on the ground. You're, you're where you are. So if you're pollen, you can. And especially if the reason you're stressed is because the environmental conditions have become very bad in some ways it makes a lot more sense to make pollen because yep. then like you can get your DNA as far away from there as possible and kind of win yeah. there. And even for the ones that are um, both sexes, we see this mechanism in general, right? When we stress Arabidopsis, they start to bolt and make flowers mm-hmm. and, and seeds. They try to just before like, b- before it gets too much and they would die, they try to get like at least one round of seeds in. I mean, generally going to reproduction before you die is like common across all kingdoms. And part of it is because, yeah, like if you're going to die, you've got to get you got to try but often because the this kind of state there's a reproductive stage where you're a bit more stable so like if you're um a fern or like a fungus you have these spores which are very Mm. hardy if you're a plant you have these seeds which can kind of just like sit and wait and stuff so there's there's kind of two different advantages to yeah reproducing but yeah 
Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's that's about um, the paper. I quite liked uh, the way they, they went through this paper. It's nicely told. And these two, so um, Jennifer Blake Mahmoud and Lena Struve, um, they published quite a lot about this pre uh, tree species. I think they have in the same issue another paper where they talk about a different aspect. Um, so they are they seem to be really uh, invested in this species. Uh, I just imagine them like going out and having like their little patch of forest where they like every day they do measurements for like a number of different experiments and so on. I quite like that idea. I, I mean, they're basically going out and murdering trees by like pruning them, <laughs> waiting two years for them to become female and then slowly die. Like, sure, I mean, be on their side, why don't you? I mean, that was my main job when I was still in research was killing <laughs> plants. I would like send them to the greenhouse yeah. where they have it nice and comfortable. And at one point I would take them. It Blend would go to the cold, cold room and it would make a nice smoothie out of all of their young, <laughs> youngest leaves that was my job um so yeah i very much sympathize with that like kill and plants you said there was a nice exchange on twitter where somebody was saying oh look like yeah. like the tough turn females so like females are stronger and then the authors actually responded right yeah yeah so lena struve she's on twitter you can find her at struve lena um and i think it's called lena struve because she's from sweden so that's fairly close to my pronunciation here um, but working in the u.s um Uh, just yeah here she says uh, so somebody uh, said very cool maple tree turns female under extreme stress female because it's hardy and will survive the trauma with like a gif of like <laughs> strong independent woman strong independent woman and then Lena Struve was uh, responding well not exactly the female <laughs> trees have a much higher death rate than the males yeah so um, but you know what guys not in humans we're gonna live longer yeah Yeah, you can't take a lot from this study and uh, use that on human like, <laughs> systems. As with pretty much anything that's not human systems, like <laughs> yes. don't extrapolate, don't like anthropomorphize <laughs> everything and be like, oh yeah, see. Yeah, don't don't start drinking fertilizer because in some study it was shown it increases yield in plants. It's it's not a good idea. <laughs> so that was when the going gets tough, the tough turn female injury and sex expression in a sex changing tree. It came out in the American Journal of Botany from Blake Momad and Struve, Struve, I'm sorry, just last week. favorite plant yeah it's me this time doing my favorite plant and i have a sneaking suspicion i've done this before or yarm's done this before but i asked yarm and he told me no so dear listener if it is true that we've done it before it's yarm's fault and it's not my fault <laughs> um my favorite plant this um week is wolfia globosa i think we did that in an episode shit, no shit, shit. <laughs> no idea i don't think we've done that before Okay, um, so it's also known commonly as watermill and it belongs to a larger family, which is commonly known as duckweeds. It's botanically Lemnaceae and they have the special characteristic of being the smallest flowering plants. But you have to have a look at this little guy. We'll put some photos, um, some links in the um, show notes. But it's, it's watermill because it basically looks like grains of like meal not even grains mm -hmm. of rice it's it's the size of a flea or even smaller so if you can imagine what the flower on that plant must look like it's also not what you would kind of see as a flower so to see the flower you have to basically use a microscope i mean you can see the plant with the naked eye it is a couple of millimeters across but it's not it's not really much yeah yeah <laughs> and the tiny. flower is kind of like in this like hole on on the leaf it only has two leaves and, and the, the flower is kind of a an 
little dent in it and then it has a few little protrusions which somehow make up a flower but mm-hmm. definitely not what you think of when you see like an orchid or a sunflower or a daisy it's 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 really it's quite cool though um we'll put again some some images on um the show notes just so you can have a look at what this is as far as a flower but i think it's quite impressive to have such a tiny little flower and um this generally this family is quite interesting so they're water plants as um they can they can have a range of um sizes in the family but they're just generally something you find in water and they have some special features which include that they take up nutrients from liquid quite rapidly mm-hmm. so i've also seen some discussions about using duckweeds for experimental systems because it's kind of um, like growing them uh, in hydroponics where you can very easily add things to the, um, the water, like add new nutrients or maybe add something which has a label that you can then trace or um, yeah, grow them under lots of different conditions. And there's also some discussion that duckweeds are able to take up toxins rapidly from water sources, although I'm not really sure about the science behind that. So mm-hmm. I've seen that on the internet, but I don't know. Um and then also they grow quite quickly and they can um, be propagated quite rapidly and, and make a fair amount of biomass. So the other thing is that duckweeds of different varieties might be a good crop that can be used not to eat for us, but like to feed ducks or fish or chicken or pigs or even used as a fertilizer, which can kind of be scooped out of this water, this kind of aqua vats and then mm. put onto the soil. So. If you want to read more about duckweed, there's a guy who's kind of, I think, the duckweed king as far as he has a website which is called The Charms of Duckweed, which is quite nice. And it just has kind of an introduction to this smallest of flowering plants with some different images, um, which -hmm. we will also link to in the show notes. So that's duckweed. Um, It also has a couple of genomes, I think, now in the family. The first one came out like five years ago, six years ago, maybe. So it's something which is a potentially interesting source of um, future research, I would say. Yeah, I think I actually talked to someone who researched it on a <laughs> on a biotech um, aspect of it, mm-hmm. um, just like by by chance. I was at a at a research group for some some other stuff, and somebody who was has worked before with duckweed. Uh, was now working there and uh, she t- told me about this and I have never heard of this that this is in use I don't know if she used exactly wolfia or another species of duckweed but yes like the, she she actually grew them in hydroponics mm-hmm. um, and I think she tried to engineer them to uh, probably ex- uh, as a um, bio refinery to express uh, some some product um, but yeah that, uh, very interesting like, I actually personally came across this um family actually it wasn't again it wasn't the wolf yet i think it was the lemna which is i think a different genus within that family when i was doing my own research and i was working on the greening of leaves so when you keep a leaf in the dark it's usually quite pale green or even white and then you can put it into the light and you can see how it slowly greens over time and that's the development of the chloroplast and the plant becoming more and more photosynthetic photosynthetically active and this is a nice model for us to study to understand how photosynthesis works and like Mm -hmm. at the different stages and one of the problems is that often when plants are kept in the dark not only do their leaves go white but they also keep their leaves kind of wrapped up so they don't Mm -hmm. open their leaves out to the sun which means that when you then put them into the light it's very hard to get even lighting across the entire leaf surface but somebody had come across the idea of using duckweed because it's very very flat and it's just like two leaves which lie on the surface of water. So if you can get it to be white, you can then get very even greening. And mm-hmm. they were also adding that to um, 
experiments where they put things into the media to then tra- check like to trace some nutrients or the development of proteins or something over time as well so this was kind of an interesting experimental system that they had come up with yeah in general liquid culture is a big advantage um in for for science i find but yeah, if you don't get it infected with fungus yeah if you don't get it <laughs> infected yeah like yeah for slow growing um uh, uh organisms it can be challenging <laughs> but i come from a biotech field where all we do is like liquid culture mm-hmm. of like yeast and uh, bacteria um, and you can do so many experiments you can spike in things you can grow them to high density and all of these things um, so yeah so check out wolfia the pictures look really cool mm-hmm. um, i just had a look at a few of them we'll put some in the show notes on your podcast app um, yeah really cool and stuff. go and look at the charms of duckweed <laughs> yeah we'll link that as well yeah this week it's me um i already we already said that we uh we've been to poland this uh last uh weekend pretty much um and so i looked up a polish researcher uh wanda zablotka and forgive me there is like a special diacritic thing on the l that i can't pronounce so um, she's probably it's probably pronounced better than what I do. Um, she was born in 1900 in uh, Tarno and she died on no- November 30th, uh, 1978, in Turun, which I think are both uh, Polish um, places. Um, and she was a botanist, mycologist, phytopathologist, and uh, a professor at the Nikolaus Copernicus University, hey. which has the same name as the science center we've just been to. <laughs> Um, although that what is, a coincidence it was not in Warsaw however the Nicolaus Copernicus University but yeah um, yeah she uh, grew up um, or she she actually the little bit of information I found was that she passed her maturity exams in, in Krakow and then continued uh, to, to work in biology and um, the one thing that stood out to me was that she actually um, uh Wait, where is it? Uh, during the Second World War, she took an active part in securing and storing the university property. So I just imagine, like, during the Second World War, when the Germans uh, overran Poland and mm. uh, did horrible things, um, she was there, like, protecting the the research and like scrambling to to make sure that the science, like, yeah, was not destroyed by by the uh, Germans. Um, and then after the, the war ended, she defended her habilitation. So there was sort of a very stressful PhD. No, habilitation is professorship, right? Not PhD. Yes, getting yeah, so towards. Professor, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's not a stressful PhD, but a stressful habilitation. But yeah, they tell you things get easier after your PhD. <laughs> and for her, not so much. Not so much. <laughs> um, and then she continued to research um, the biology of mycorrhizal fungi um, in the viola genus. Um, viola? Like the, viola, the flowers? Yeah. The flowers, yeah. Not the instrument. No, not the instrument. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm being a dick now. <laughs> but when I type in viola into, um, maybe, is, is it viola? Flower. Yeah. Um, and Oh, pretty. Yeah, she was awarded a couple of like uh, prizes and medals, the Medal for Long Service, the Gold Cross of Merit, the Knights Cross of the Order of Polonia, and the Gold Medal of the Nicolaus Copernicus University. Um, and she I, wrote I think I would like to have the, the Knights of the Order one. That sounds yeah. the coolest. I think that could probably come the with Knights a cloak. The Knights Cross of the Order of Polonia Restituta. That definitely has like a cloak attached to it. like Or maybe a scepter even. Definitely a scepter. <laughs> yeah, so um, that's uh, Wanda Zabloczka. Um, a Polish researcher, a botanist, um, protected research from the Nazis. So, yeah, that's her. Well, pu- I put a link uh, to Showing her. us there's more than one way to fight the Nazis. <laughs> you can fight them with science. <laughs> Thanks, Wanda. 
Um, and uh, yeah, I'll put a link to her Polish Wikipedia and a link to DeepL where you can translate it <laughs> into... DeepL is like trans... It's like Google Translate, but better. It's like a neural network-based translation oh system. Um, they don't have as many languages as Google Translate, but mm. they get much better results on the sentence structure. Um, so for longer texts, okay. it's, it works uh -huh. better, actually. Um, that's And I started using this last week and was quite impressed um, and for a language that as like like Polish, which is not spoken by that many people worldwide, mm -hmm. to have that already implemented there is a rather short list of languages that they support. Um, yeah. How many was, people are there in Poland? Oh, uh, I don't know, but compared to like, I guess thirty-seven million, mm, not so many. Yeah, compared to many other languages, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's no it's, German. Let's talk 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 about bias bias. Bye. Bye. <laughs> That's still my favorite intro. Um, okay, so I'm doing spinning the cognitive bias codex wheel today. And just as a reminder, there's like four different categories of this codex kind of breaking down the different types of bias that we have. So one is what we should remember. One is that we have too much information. Then there's not enough meaning in the information we have and that we need to act very fast. And I have chosen something from the need to act fast category and the subcategory to act. We must be confident we can make an impact and feel that what we do is important, which is just so true about your PhD, Yaren, right? <laughs> you just like feel that you contributed, that you pushed science forward, that now people know more about whatever you worked on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I chose the Lake Wobegon effect because I was looking through the different names and this one sounded the funniest. So the Lake Wobegon effect has a bit of a weird backstory. First, you have to know that there is a variety show that comes weekly on the radio in the United States, or at least it used to from the 70s until 2016. So if you haven't heard it now, too late, you missed it. There's probably any way reruns. And it's called A Prairie Home Companion. That's part one. Within The Prairie Home Companion, there's a short section about news from Lake Wobegon and Lake Wobegon is a fictional town created by just the guy who kind of came up with this this section um, so it's just a segment of the radio program and this is always about kind of funny stories of things that happened in to the townsfolk of Lake Wobegon and at the start of each thing uh, each week's thing they say uh, let let me just quickly find the word Dun, dun, dun. There's an opening line, which is, well, it's been a quiet week in Lake Wobegong, Minnesota, my hometown, out there on the edge of the prairie. And then the closing words are always, well, that's the news from Lake Wobegong, where all the women are strong, all the men are good looking, and all the children are above average. So that complex story kind of explains <laughs> where this Lake Wobegong effect comes from. And the Lake Wobegong effect is that there is a natural human tendency to overestimate one's own cap capabilities. So there was basically a, um, I guess, psychologist or sociologist who named the effect after this town because all of the children are above average, all of the women are strong and all of the men are, what were the men? Like pretty or something. Um, yes, the men are good looking. Um, yeah, so there's also another name for this effect, which is illusory, illusory, illusory superiority and it's just the same thing it's that people tend to all think that they're above 
average in every way. So, well, not in every way, but if asked to, <laughs> if asked to guess how how you are with relation to other people, yeah, yeah. you say that you're above average. So, one example is that in a survey of high school students, only two percent of the students reported that they were below average in leadership ability, which is not how averages work, right? Yeah. <laughs> and this is kind of a general. It reminds me of like, especially the all children are above average thing is something that reminds me of this discussion that you often see by racists about immigration when they say, um, yeah, the, the average IQ dropped because of immigration when the average IQ is defined every year on your group of test subjects. So it can't drop. It's always at 100 because that's how it's defined. Mm -hmm. um, an IQ, IQ of 100 is the average, average of the current test but population. in fact you're like talking about a normalized average so like yeah but still um yeah it just can't be that everybody's above average and i think there's like an anti like this a joke against australia which is like what happens when the stupidest kiwis new zealanders move from new zealand to australia and it's like that the iq of both countries increases because like <laughs> yeah Okay. Anyway, <laughs> let's all make fun about Australians because, frankly, our government has burned the country into hell. Um, I, I think that's basically all I want to say about this is this idea that you're above average. And I think it kind of goes in with this Dunning-Kruger effect. So it's mm -hmm. just generally this, this overestimation of our self-worth. But it's also kind of against this imposter syndrome that a lot of scientists feel. So I think it's kind of an interesting idea that we both – think we're better but then also we have this like i mean we're just like oscillating constantly between like <laughs> ridiculous like unwarranted self-confidence and like complete panic that we're all idiots and this yeah. that yeah. seems really healthy to me just to be like constantly <laughs> in a state of flux and not knowing like bouncing back and forth oscillation is very important guys if you're not panicking you're not living life right <laughs> yeah Anyway, that's all I wanted to say. I just thought it was funny because of the backstory. So it's yep. called the Lake Wobegon effect after a fictional town that comes from a radio program segment. <laughs> Thank you. That's it. This is where the fun begins. This is where the fun begins. This is where the fun begins. Yes, um, this is where the fun begins. Um, and I start today with a fun fact about a Polish town called Warsaw. <laughs> And the palm tree there, like we we walk hey. through the city, and when you walk through Polish city, um, you see like pretty much Central European flora, as mm. expected. But suddenly, in the center of the city, there's a big palm tree, <laughs> and it's in, in in winter, and it's still green and everything. And it turns out this is an art installation. It's an artificial palm tree. Mm -hmm. um, it looks quite convincing, actually. It looks really convincing. From photos, I could not tell that it's not real. Uh, from uh, uh, Joanna uh, Rajkowska. And um, the art installation is entitled Greetings from Jerusalem Avenue, because that's the place where the, the palm tree is found. Jerusalem Avenue, uh, which in itself... Um, is uh, named like this uh, in Warsaw because there used to be um, a Jewish center in like in around the um, nineteen uh, around nineteen hundred um, that was connected with this sit, uh, street to to the rest of of Warsaw. But at one point, the Jews were chased out even before um, the the Nazis arrived. I mean, there was still a big a Jewish population, but this commercial center, this Jewish commercial center, was closed. Um, but the city. Uh, kept uh, the city, the, the street kept its name. Um, so that's why this thing is called Greetings from Jerusalem Ave Avenue. Um, and the artist went to 
uh, to Israel where she got the idea of bringing a plant back uh, to honor this um, street's name and its history. Uh, and uh, this was a very controversial thing. So that was put up in uh, December 2002, mm. so almost 20 years ago. And um, she, the artist she, uh, herself, she didn't really believe that it would like stay there. She said, the most likely scenario is that the retiring coalition of the POSLD, uh, which is a lefting uh Uh, coalition wanted to hand a hot potato to piss the right party <laughs> who are famous for their complete lack of any sense of humor <laughs> so that's why she thought this was like approved her, her project um, and yeah since then uh, Kaczynski who became uh, the head of state I don't know exactly what the former ti proper title is um, he hated that like he made comments about this that how shit the art was yeah how shit the art was and there's apparently a contract that it can stay there but he says <laughs> as long as as soon as his contract runs out stuff like this will not be tolerated anymore mm. in the city um, so the wiki says that she considers it to be a leftist statement this tree existing yeah. there is very much so as you said it, it already makes commentaries on the Jewish people who used to live there yeah and um, she Yeah, she. Uh, there was an, another quote that I didn't uh, write down here, but she had another very nice quote about the reason why um, the Polish society, like the lack of diversity in Polish society is the reason for uh, the problems that they face. Yeah, there, there is a lack of people who are different in the full meaning of that word. Um, our society lacks the Arabs or the Africans. We lack the energy of immigrants who decide to leave everything behind and start again. We lack the angst and drive. Um, angst? And uh, maybe it's because of this longing I feel so comfortable at the stadium. Uh, I'm not going to pronounce that. It has too many consonants. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my goodness. In terms of diversity, Poland is pathetic. A white Catholic society, un uh, unified by similar behaviors and similar beliefs. Um, this silent understanding, this normality are horrible. And um, so, so I actually have another fact about that palm tree, which yeah. our friend who we went with. So our friend told Yoram about the palm tree, and then Yoram's like, "Don't tell Tegan." And then the friend told me another fact about the palm tree, and he didn't tell you. So um, a while back, the tree started dying. So in summer of last year, the fronds at the top of the tree were actually replaced with other, also artificial fronds, but these fronds looked dead and crappy. And the, the leaves, I think, were actual dead leaves. Damn it, damn it, Yarm. Damn it, you know. Um, and this was kind of a commentary on like maybe climate change and also, yeah, general poison of the world that is causing the death of this poor palm tree, which probably shouldn't belong in Poland anyway because it's a palm tree. But, but, but yeah, yeah. But, and also a commentary on the complete lack of the uh, action of the Polish government, which Should clings yeah. very much to coal firing for power production. Yeah. Yeah, um, like all of our countries, really. I mean, yeah, I mean Germany's not much better. <laughs> Way like, to go, Australia. How's that mining going for you? <laughs> Germany's a little bit better in percentages, but not that much that we can be smug about it. Yeah, and also, like, okay, anyway. <laughs> Your economy is fine. <laughs> like, Yeah, but so that's um, the Warsaw palm tree. Um, it's a site, and by now it's actually very common in, in Poland to or in Warsaw to use this as a like location uh, to meet and so on so you just say like let's meet by the palm and you don't actually say the name of the crossing anymore he also said that during one of the last prides there was like some lesbians who like put a ring around it and were like this is now the Isle of Lesbios this is like claiming this is the fictional <laughs> yeah, yeah, lesbian Isle in the in as part of the gay parades, the pride one, parades. One last thing about it that I that I found it there's a palm protection committee, the KOP, the Comitet Ohroni Palmi, um, that is set up to defend the palm against its opponents, which I quite liked this idea. <laughs>
That's very protectors cool. of the palm. Um, I have something which is not so fun, which is a brief news article um, that the UK government recently changed its science minister. So one guy basically got reshuffled, which is, I don't know, a polite way of saying fired. And they put in somebody new and it looks like it's not super great because the person doesn't really have a scientific history. Although the previous guy probably didn't either by the looks of it. But it looks like it's kind of downgraded the responsibility of what is required for the science minister post. But... I do like that the previous guy who was in the job, when he got reshuffled, he made a commentary on it that it was, um, and I'm paraphrasing here because I can't find the quote, that he was actually getting promoted to be um, a more full-time father. So he has a young child or several (laughs) young child. So he was like, well, actually, like I'm getting promoted to a new post of like, you know, harder working father or something like that, which is quite a sweet response. That's a nice framing. Yeah. Nice. Um, I have something that's related to fatherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I came across this as a very old study, actually. It's from 2004, where they did some uh, analysis on the effect of like short-term sleeping on your cognitive abilities. So um, they did a test where people slept for four hours, six hours, eight hours, and I think longer, I think 12 hours, which mm-hmm. is like, I would really love to be in the 12-hour control group. Um, and they did done some cognitive testing on them uh, after 14 days of uh, of this sleep uh, regiment. And um, the bottom line of this is uh, if you have only six hours or less of sleep every night for 14 days or longer, you have the cognitive abilities of somebody who has is sleep deprived for two days, but you don't feel like it. So Ooh. you don't have this, this uh, complete feeling of exhaustion. But when you do tests of like reaction times and so on, you perform just as badly as somebody who hasn't slept for two days, mm-hmm. which was for me as a young parent. <laughs> You're like, um, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> like sometimes I'm really, really slow in my head. Um, and I know now where this comes from. It just honestly makes me want to throw things at young parents like yourself and just like see how fast your reflexes are. Like, is that, is that <laughs> the right response? You would just like right in the face. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it also reminded me of like some scientists um that told me that how little they sleep and how proud they are of it and i'm like yeah it's scientifically (laughs) scientifically proven that it makes you worse at your job yeah if you don't sleep so how you sleep i think there's definitely variations in how much people need to sleep naturally so some people definitely need their full eight hours or Yeah, yeah somebody told me they needed nine hours of sleep and i was like do you really or are you a baby i was very judgmental about that which was that me me? because it sounds like me (laughs) i really no because you get like six hours of sleep right (laughs) anyway um no it was not you let's segue from fatherhood to the sky daddy and i'm not talking about god i'm talking about jeff which is um jeff bezos from amazon so (laughs) 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 i mean he does he not rain down gifts from above upon us um (laughs) not until there's drone delivery from amazon yeah which is a thing what happened with that in the end i don't know never in germany i mean no hashtag not my germany we have like the the deutsche post is delivering medication from the coastline to islands by drone like urgent medication yeah i I mean sure but like but not from like but not like into your backyard and like over your child yeah. yeah yeah Um, so probably most of you have already seen this news, but Jeff has decided that he's going to fix climate change. Has he? Well done, Jeff. Let's have a, a slow clap for Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Um, he's actually pledged $10 billion to the fight against climate change, which is not no money. In context, he does have more than $100 billion 
He sorry, he pledged ten billion. I don't know if I said billion or million there. You said billion. billion. Okay, he pledged ten billion, one tenth of his his worth approximately he has over 100 there's three people in the world who have over 100 which is him obviously bill gates and that french guy who owns like louis vuitton and all Mm -hmm. of the other like i don't know audi no whatever the french but uh, yeah those dudes i think citroen renault one of those like yeah yeah renault that one um anyway if you want to read about that and some possible other ideas of what jeff might be doing with his time and money and how even though this is a great thing maybe he can do other things there's an article over on wired which said which is called jeff bezos wants to fix climate change you can start with amazon um which is written by matt reynolds and it basically discusses the some of the problems that Amazon has had in the past, um, the way they have basically not tried to address any of the climate issues that their own company has um, made, but that they have also done things like, for example, sponsoring a gala, a gala which is a, um, a gala by a company which is a think tank promoting climate change denial so it's this kind of concept of like well you're paying money to to look yeah. nice but i mean for me personally 10 billion is enough money that if jeff wants me to tell him he's pretty based on 10 billion i'm i'm okay with saying hey jeff you look really pretty today like yeah. so pretty that's that 10 billion you're giving to climate change is working very well but it's also the question like where it is spent um there's many ways you can burn yeah. the money without having an impact and so on um yeah and burning the money would not be good because as we know when we burn things it's just <laughs> making more climate change issues guys so do not burn the money don't burn the money especially Jeff. if not if it's that like plastic money there's a, a short thing i hope i find it before i uh, 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 uh for the publishing of this episode where somebody i think on tiktok or one of these like terrible new things that i'm too old for to <laughs> understand um showed how much a billion is um with grains of rice so mm-hmm. he had like one grain of rice was a hundred thousand dollars and then he would make like a stack of um yeah a million and then uh one billion and then i think i think it was even the worth of jeff bezos the 100 billion which was like a giant mountain of rice grains and he would like take out a fuse and like this is like 10 million for beachfront house in florida mm. and uh there was like no dent in mm. this big pile of rice grains um just to illustrate like how much that is because we so accustomed now to these large numbers when we read them but i find it really hard to imagine like how much it is if you if you have a hundred billion dollars like how many issues you can fix without actually seeing a dent in your net worth of course like the net worth is like not all like liquid money yeah 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 sure, a lot of it, yeah. like you can't just like take half of that and spend it if it's like in the property of but let's Amazon just say that when you've got a hundred billion you've probably got some spending money yeah and there's also um the inquiry i think i might have mentioned this last time but the inquiry did a nice piece called something like should there even be billionaires so that's um worth checking out as well they yeah. have the inquiry is always great um really yeah. well researched really nicely produced so go to them for all of your issues but they have one about billionaires and whether they should be a thing yeah I say no, there should should be a thing, but I think they had a more um, like um, grayscale answer than, than mine. They, they did, but I still came down very firmly on the side of no. <laughs> like, yeah. And one guy was quite reasonable. He's like, okay, let's say that you can be a billionaire, but you can't be a 10 billionaire. Or let's like put the, the cutoff somewhere else. Like, let's not say you can't have more than 1 million, but let's say you can't have more than 100 million or 1 billion. And like, then we can discuss yeah. lower amounts. But like... The, the the cutoff is not even 100 billion billion right now is <laughs> is really an insane 
Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just have a short thing. Um, that's a, a tutorial that somebody put on, on Twitter. Um, just like a short thread of a couple like common mistakes that people make on PowerPoint slides and I found it quite useful. Okay. Um, especially about like table design. So check that out. We'll link that. Um, it's about like don't use your published table in your um, in your presentation because a present a table that is made for a paper um, has a different different approach to it. Like in mm -hmm. a paper, people have time to read your table. On a slide, they don't. You can't put like a hundred columns and rows on your yeah. slide and then Keep expect people to understand what's going on and things like that. And um, and that's one of the most common things you see. And it, actually, that's one of the things which you see very often in like higher professors where yeah. they have just copied and pasted and it's like you know what if it's already published in the paper i'm gonna read the paper i can read the paper so let's like yeah. this is not the same art form make it a different art form yeah and so i found it uh, quite a nice uh, little summary of some of the the uh, basic things how to structure a slide although his examples aesthetically i found him like oh my god it was like a bright yellow on a, a blue background <laughs> I love yellow and blue. They're my favorite colors on each but other. I think probably good contrast. Better than green on red. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, very useful uh, thread. We'll link that. I have one last thing, which is on VPR.org. And I just realized I have no idea what VPR is. So I hope it's not like pro-bigotry in any way. Um, the article is called Scientists. It stands actually for very pro-racism.org. <laughs> Damn it, Tegan, look at your sources. <laughs> I'm sorry, VPR.org. It's not what it stands for. So I found this really good thing on um, veryproracism.org and it's called Scientists Love Their Emojis. And the trick here is that love is a little love heart emoji, um, but it's complicated. And it was just um, discussing, sorry, it's by Niels Greenfield Boyce. And it's just discussing the fact that there have been a few new emojis that have come out, which mm. might... Um, reflect scientists' needs a little bit more. So there's a new rock that came out. There is, of course, a DNA helix and there's also a fly. And one of the discussions is that the rock is kind of green. It's like maybe covered in algae, but it's also quite a weird shape and it's it's, it's very green. So people are like trying to work out, like geologists are trying to work out which rock it might be. They're trying to identify the rock. Yeah. Um, And they've come up with the fact that it might be serpentinite. I don't know. It sounds like a mineral. I Trust me, I, I don't know nothing about rocks. I'm sorry. And then there was also a discussion about the fly and how some scientists were a little bit upset because it looks like a house fly and it didn't look like many of the, the much cuter flies <laughs> that could have been an option for them to do. And it's also not like a Drosophila, which is this very famous model fly species that a lot of scientists use. So... But I think the, inter <laughs> yeah. the the emojis, they are up to interpretation by the different companies that implement them, right? This is like Emojipedia that made these. So um, usually when then Google and Apple and Samsung and everybody makes their own versions of them, they can, again, differentiate. I think sometimes with like funny results, there was a big dispute about the burger emoji that Microsoft, like I think they put the lettuce under the patty and people <laughs> Gross, went, disgusting. Uh, were Vile. very upset mm. or maybe the tomato or something 
thing. Like there was a big outcry. Yeah, the lettuce. It's probably the lettuce. Where people were like, you can't build a burger like this. Yeah, it should be burger, tomato, lettuce because then the lettuce is protected from the heat of the burger by the tomato. It's okay if tomato gets hot, but it's not okay if lettuce gets hot. Uh, yeah, but at the same time, I believe that the lettuce is like a barrier to stuff to seep into the, the bun. So you don't want to like the meat juices seep into the is bun. That's because you're German and you don't believe in lettuce and you think everything should actually no, be I cabbage. I think it was it was the cheese that was below the the, the meat. Uh, I, yeah, okay. That's uh, not okay. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Anyway, this is... Um, I want to read the quote here. So... <laughs> The emoji, the housefly emoji, will tarnish the reputation of tens of thousands of other flies with the bad associations people have with houseflies and fly swatters and so on. He said, I mean, really, it's just not right. We want our lovely Drosophila associated. We don't want our lovely Drosophila. So this is the, the model fly <laughs> associated with those nasty houseflies. And this is um, from Drosophilas are Mark disgusting. <laughs> um, so he's a biologist at the University of North Carolina. So kind of commenting in quite a funny way. And he also did a Twitter um, uh, what do you call it? Poll. A poll to see whether it was good or not, and fifty-two percent of people said it was not cute enough. So this is a consensus as far as like a majority in the the scientific audience that by it's the, not good. By the way, can I resolve like what VPR stands for? Yeah, it's actually NPR.org and it's National Public Radio. Okay, I like NPR. That's good. Yes. Anything that represents Ira Glass is okay by me. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, so much for these. I had a new plant emojis. I didn't see that in the article. There because was a virus? I don't think there's any extra. We, I mean, like, we have plants, to, right? Yeah, but they're not good plants. They're a bit like, shit. Yeah, we need an Arabidopsis and tobacco. <laughs> and, uh, like, we want all of I mean, they species. must have a cigarette of some kind. Just put plant and then a cigarette, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. I always forget that tobacco is the stuff that people smoke. Cat fact. Cat fact. Should I play it? Is it actual cat fact? Do we want to hear meowing cats? We do, because okay. cats, but I don't have any cat facts. Yeah, I have a shitty cat fact. That's it's a squirrel again, isn't it? It's not a squirrel. We looked at squirrels. Cat fact. Well done. Warsaw. Oh, yeah, me too. I was also there. <laughs> yes. Tell <laughs> your cat uh, fact, yeah. My, my cat fact is about a spider, um, and there's just, um, it's a thing. <laughs> There is a spider that can flatten its body and wrap it or itself around a branch. And I've seen a picture of this on Twitter and I found it terrifying because it just looks... Um, I want to see it. Yeah, for some reason I did put the link. <laughs> oh yeah, so actually Yoram's message to me this morning was, I don't have a cat fact, I have a mediocre spider fact. So well done on your mediocrity. <laughs> yeah, it's the Dol Dolophonus conifera plant, also called the wraparound spider. Wait, um, the plant, the uh, that plant, the uh, spider. spider. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm so used to. Um, and yeah, they very much look like the branch that they. <laughs> They're hiding. Yeah, here. There's a. This is the picture that I saw. I don't know if you can see this. Can you see that? Um, yeah. Pe people all, on there, like I'm showing all a picture. of our listeners. I hope you can see that I'm now looking at a picture of a spider. Yeah, it's it's a flat spider, guys. It's like it's not even flat. It's like wrapped around. <laughs> it's very much as your arm described. It's wrapped yeah. around a stick, and it looks like a stick now. Yeah, it looks like a like a sticker that you put on a branch, but it's a spider. And Maybe, yeah, and yeah, I think it's just terrifying that I could be like playing with my favorite stick, and it's actually covered in spiders. Um, I like spiders. And um, yeah, and then I fell down this hole of looking at spider videos, which all terribly upset me like i've seen one spider eating another spider 
and lots of these things and i don't know why i always do this it was already like two weeks ago or something um from triggered by twitter i started looking yeah i wanted to see like how fast is a huntsman spider and then i watched videos (laughs) of it's like why did i search this why did i want to Mm. know this information because now i'm more terrified it's your equivalent of when i watch those like the fast zombie films like 28 days later i'm like why why now i'm just like <laughs> yes i'm just, just anxious <laughs> um so yeah so that that's that's the spider um now that you have a son don't you just think it would be nice to like train him to like spider like to see if you can make it that when he grows up he's not afraid of spiders because you're quite scared of most bugs yeah wouldn't yeah, it be nice to like it, many things would be very nice but i can't just, provide everything to my okay. son um as an aside when i was like <laughs> five six years old my father decided that um reading the hobbit was a good idea like as a bedtime story and i don't know if you know the hobbit but there's one scene where all of the party of dwarves and this hobbit nearly get eaten by trolls which was really traumatic as a small child this idea of trolls eating people and then like one chapter later they go into shelob's lair and shelob is a massive fucking spider and like as a six-year-old living in australia there are probably spiders out there which are roughly bigger than you (laughs) so my sister and i like basically begged my father to stop reading this like that was at the end of the hobbit after that because and i had nightmares about spiders for for months i don't did i tell that story already Mm -hmm. yeah no, I thought you were Good very times. fearless. I thought spiders I, don't affect you. I, I love spiders. Like, I generally like spiders. I When I was a kid, I used to take them from the house and put them inside my bedroom. Um, but there was a period there where it was, like, touch and go. Like, my father really broke my relationship with my beloved eight-legged friends because not ideal. No, no, no spiders for me, especially not fast spiders or hidden spiders. Um Although, like, I felt conflicted about, like, the spider that was eating a spider was doing, like, a good deed because there was one spider less in the world. <laughs> but now it's a bigger spider. The one that remains is bigger, stronger, and fiercer. Yeah, yeah. That's sometimes, like, I find in the basement, like, the, the what's the word? Not the shells, but the, the shedded skin of mm-hmm. a spider. So, you know, like, you, you find, like, the, the dried up, crumpled up thing. And, you know, the not new spider is bigger it's than bigger. what you found. But it could be soft. It could be weak right now at this moment if it's a fresh shower, you know? Yeah. Like, this could be your moment to strike and, and really... still, like, squishing such a spider also. It's like... Yeah, nah. and also you'd have to outsmarten it. So that's... Like yeah, I'm not smarter than a spider. <sighs> <laughs> okay, I think so much about the spider cat facts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll try to look up uh, real cat facts for next time, but it was hard. Like, I, I googled and... Like what they, especially with plants, you always just find plants that cats shouldn't eat. Do you see me violently doing the wrap it up sign at you now? Yeah, and I'm violently ignoring it. <laughs> um, so, people, that's our podcast, that's our episode. Yeah. Please uh, follow <laughs> if us. If you manage to listen the whole way through, congratulations. This, like, if you ever get annoyed by the topics that we talk about, I put chapter marks in every episode. You can just like forward to the next chapter mm-hmm. and then just like while you're at it, like forward, forward, forward. Yeah. Um, it still counts as a download for us. So, I call it. <laughs> a win um but you don't have to listen to it no yeah no please but yeah there's chapter marks so you can like listen to as much like, plant science as you want mark 32 minutes and one second will have you in tears or yeah. what, what do they usually clickbait will yeah. shock you will <laughs> yes. make you're you pregnant out. you're missing out but sometimes missing out is a good choice okay we're on facebook and instagram there you can usually talk to me it's at plants and pipettes 
On Twitter, you can talk to me. Uh, that's at Plants Pipettes. We're also on www.plantsandpipettes.com. So there we have links to the podcast, but we also have different blog posts talking about new publications and methods and various things relevant to the field of plant biology. And usually we update twice weekly. Um, and uh, yeah, write us on iTunes. Yeah. And, uh, our opening and closing music is Caravana by Philip Gross. And goodbye. So long, farewell, auf Wiedersehen, adieu.